Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The Manchester Football Social, EFL and Below Show with Football Mank Cave. Hello, this is the EFL and Below Show from the Manchester Football Social with the Football Man Cave, your weekly fix of everything to do with football in Greater Manchester, which doesn't come from Old Trafford or the Etihad Stadium. We're talking Football League, Oldham, Rochdale, Bury, Bolton, Wigan, and of course, below the non-league sides in this great footballing city, Stockport, Salford, whatever your team, we've got you covered. If there's anything you want us to discuss on the podcast, send us a tweet and use the hashtag EFL Below. The Twitter handle is at MCRFootySocial. I'm Niall and joining me as always from the Footballman Cave, we've got Ian. How are you doing, mate? I'm good. I'm all good. And Aaron, how are you, my friend? Very, very good. Always good, always good. Say that every week, but I'm always good. Everyone's always good on this podcast because we've always got loads to talk about. And I'll tell you what, let's get straight into the thick of it because the last few podcasts... Well, maybe the last three or four, because it's been rumbling on for that long, Ian. We've been talking about uh, perhaps the greatest ginger player of all time, Paul Scholes. He's gone into Oldham and he's officially the manager now. And we were talking a few weeks ago about whether it might not happen because of his situation with Salford City. And then, of course, his contract with BT Sport, which some for some reason was thrown into the mix. But he's finally there. He's finally been announced. And it seems that there's quite a buzz around Oldham because of it. Yeah, definitely. I think it was one of the best kept secrets in football, that, to be honest. Uh, scores are going to Oldham. <laughs> <laughs> no one's seen it coming. No, it's. I, I think he'll do well. I mean, obviously, that first first game, the 1-4-1, nice, decent manager bounce. But um, I hope he does well. But I think, I have a feeling about him. I feel like he'll, I think it's when you go to a club that you that you love and he's supported for so long, mm. he's not one going to fail, is he? It's just, obviously, if he can adapt himself to that level of football, obviously... Him being at the pinnacle where he was with United to go down to Oldham and the finances, blah, blah, blah. But I, I hope he does well. I hope he, I hope he, he stays on right. We saw the same with Sol Campbell at Macclesfield yeah. where I asked him the question and, and journalists in the Paul Scholes press conference asked him the question, you played your entire career playing in the Champions League and at the top end of the Premier League. How are you going to adapt to League Two? And interestingly, Sol Campbell and Scholes, he both said the same thing. They said it's still football. It's still 11 versus 11. Yeah. Just perhaps the difference is... The decision-making, the quality of players is obviously not quite there. But fundamentally, you're managing 11 players to try and win you a game. I mean, that doesn't change no matter where you're playing. No. I think it, I think you always just think, are they going to get frustrated? Because obviously with scores and what he could do. I mean, I, I'm, I'm currently reading or rereading Alex Ferguson's book. They were talking about scores of like how he could put it on someone's hair. Mm. Like, it was yeah, like, yeah. like mm. it was ridiculous. 
And if it depends on what his expectation is. Obviously, he's going to raise them players up, which is only going to be a good thing. But it's if he gets a bit frustrated of like, come on, it's like standard easy stuff. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm. we'll just sort of, we'll just have to see. It's interesting you say that. I uh, heard something similar when Glenn Hoddle was England manager. Everyone knows about Glenn Hoddle's skills on the ball and what he could do. And one of the reasons for his downfall was he struggled to understand the concept of why these England players could not replicate what he could do with the football. Yeah. So just hoping, you know, Scholes doesn't have that. I think, obviously, starting with Yolville on a Tuesday night, probably quite a nice, easy start. We know Yolville are, are struggling towards the bottom of the table. But just to get that lift, obviously, they had a, they had a very convincing win. Yeah. And obviously, you just want them to, uh, to build on it. I've been very clear my point of view for Scholes. I think this is the right time for him to go in. Kind of almost feels like a... Almost, you know, he just needs to go for it kind of thing. Maybe there don't need to be too much of a plan. He just needs to, you know, have time to think about, not have time to think about it. He can do that in the summer, but literally just go for it. Kind of blitz it till the end of the season and uh, hopefully knowing that he'll be there next season. It's almost a bit of an impossible for him to lose kind of situation. Yeah, well, he said that he had one, well, he had one day on the training ground. That was the day of the press conference. So he had a busy Monday and then his first game was the Tuesday. But he said he had 27 players in training and it was more like a soccer school yeah. in the summer trying to teach a load of sort of kids. No disrespect to those olden players. I think he meant it just purely because there were so many to choose from. Yeah. It was difficult to get the individual training that perhaps he wants to bring in. But I think the owner and Scolzi himself in the press conference was saying, Ian, that his task now is to just have a strong end to the season and really target promotion next year. There's a chance they can get the playoffs if they keep winning. It's not impossible. We've seen it done in League Two before. Yeah. But really, yeah. his focus will be on next season and making a real tilt for promotion then. I mean, they're only six points off now. They've won the last two games. They've got Crew next, who are on the same points as them. More come after that, who are third bottom. And then they've got the derby against against Berry. So Saturday. I think if if he can get maybe maybe two wins or even even four points out of that, I think it'll load him in decent stead. But I think if he gets that Berry win, that'll be like that'll be done, won't he? Yeah, you can, that Berry game is so crucial. I'm sure we'll talk about that another time. But that feels it could be. You know, if they win, suddenly his managerial stock goes up so much and almost you can't be a failure with the fans, even if they win that game, because they'll always hold a candle to that Berry win. Obviously, it's all if buts and maybes, but obviously, Crew uh, next game, and then obviously Morecambe. So he's he's almost had a bit of a quite a nice, easy start in terms of, mm. as I said before, uh, hard not to lose start, just to get eight confidence, get some easy wins. Obviously, if you're playing Lincoln and Mac- Mac- Mansfield, suddenly you go in, you know, you have a couple of bad defeats. Maybe his confidence could, sure. could drop because he's a new manager as well. And it's important to remember he's going to be learning as well in terms of man management, how to deal with the players. And it'll be as a learning curve for him as much as it will be the players. And they've obviously now got to learn to deal with mm. a high-profile manager. And we talked about, you know, players... Skulls being struggling to adapt to the players not being as good, but the players are thinking how good he was as a player. You know, surely he's got to be this good as a manager. So the the height, the expectation for Skulls from a player's point of view will be huge. Well, what you said there about Glenn Hoddle just before about him being England manager and not being able to understand that the players he had you know, playing mm. for him weren't as good. I mean, I think every person's felt that at some point. I mean, I've played five-a-side a couple of times and thought, oh, this is so frustrating because you're not getting what you want out of it. Yeah. I think Scolzi, although he was sort of world-class on his day, I think it might be a little bit different for him because even during his playing days, he was never the flashy character that was driving around in, in an Aston Martin, was he? He was the sort of guy that was under the radar. He rarely did press interviews. It was a shock for me when he became a pundit. So it's even more of a shock in a way that, that he's become a manager 
But what's refreshing about him, in my opinion, is that he's so honest about it. He said someone asked him a question in the press conference and he just said, well, I don't know. I haven't done it yet. Yeah. Like, how, how do I know how I'm <laughs> going to get on? Like and he knows that he's not got the experience. He yeah. knows that. And, and it is a risk from Oldham. But are these the sort of gambles that a club like Oldham might be willing to take? It is because obviously they're in League 2, they're mid-table. And it is a case of they might as well do it now. And they've got a chance to rebuild. And if, if it goes right, obviously, he can take them through the leagues. If it, if they doesn't, they're not going to go down. So they'll sort of see now, in these next four or five months, of of what he's capable of, and have a better idea of of next season. So I think it it could be a calculated gamble, but I think um, I think it's a case of why not? Do you know, like what sort of manager is he going to bring in? Is there an element, Aaron, of Gary Neville went to Valencia? We know we know he didn't do very well there, but he went to Valencia. Phil Neville manages the England Lionesses team. Ryan Giggs manages the Wales, Wales national team. Yeah. Um, you look at some of the other guys. I mean, Nicky Butts in the academy for Manchester United. Is there a, a a point which someone could make where they could say Scholes, he feels like he's being left out and that's why now's the right time for him? Because he was the only one not doing anything <laughs> in, in that in that thing. Or is that maybe a little bit foolish for someone to think? Uh, uh, well, he just says he wants to go back into management. He said he misses the buzz. At three o'clock on a Saturday, I do get your point in terms of you know you write them all down and the CVs where they've been managing. And you get to scores and you think, how come we've not given him a chance? And sure. why can't he do anything? And particularly with Gerard and Lampard Gerard elsewhere. And, yeah, know. there was an interview with Lampard I touched on a few weeks ago, and I found it really interesting. He said, uh, touching on Gerard Sol Campbell, we know we're in this position basically because of our names of a player and what we were, and we've got the name we carry can help boost the club so much so I think there is kind of that aspect to it and I do understand but I don't I think I think he could be good I think maybe that's a bit harsh to say he's just got it because you know he's the only well like he's the odd one out so we've got it we've just got to bring him in and give him a go I don't think that's why they would have given him the job I just think maybe that might have been part of his thinking when he thought I need to get back into the game somehow yeah I, I do understand that in terms of all these managed all these all these mates have done it Gary Neville's done it obviously he's failed at Valencia, I think you could say, probably was a bit of a failure, but yeah. he can sort of draw on so many examples. Ryan Giggs gone into management at Wales, and you know Nicky Butts doing some academy stuff. Obviously, Scholes has got a, such a more high profile, pro, high profile role. So, in terms of these ex-players, sort of part of the England Golden Generation, who've now gone into management, there are some who've done very well, and some who've done very bad. There's sort of no middle ground. They're either having great success, like say. Gerard is at Rangers sure. or you know you're a Gary Neville and you know it was a bit, pretty much a failure Thierry Henry is another one and I think if it does go bad there is kind of this sort of maybe people like us on the outside looking in thinking just stick to punditry and when Neville went in uh, they were asking all the other managers at Valencia and I think it was Mourinho when he was at Chelsea he said he's going to learn that management's much more than just uh, working on an iPad for example yeah. so he's going to learn all that yeah, exciting to see how Paul Scholes gets on at Oldham. He won his first game 4-1, although by his own admission, perhaps that was a slightly flattering scoreline. So interesting to see how he does get on between now and the end of the season. But we wish him all the best. We've been talking about him for the last five weeks. So the fan like uh, closed the book, can't exactly, we, a little bit? Uh, no, well, maybe Until not. he starts struggling and then we yeah. just talk about his failure. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> seems to be the way. Talking of failures, is it too early to write Salford City's promotion chances off? I, as a fan of football and knowing how difficult the National League is would say no but some supporters Ian are getting a little bit annoyed with Graham Alexander's side and some suggesting the wheels have even fallen off of that promotion push yeah it's um, I, I, I think and when I've seen it in like, sort of Sim fans slating and 
I've, I've, even, I've even actually seen fans like asking for him to be sacked. That's ridiculous. And though, I think isn't it? you've got to remember where you've come from. Hundred percent. Jesus, tonight, like. Obviously, it's a fairy tale story, but but two years ago they were playing in a field, and there yeah. was there was literally there was barely a changing room there. Yeah. Uh, now look at the amazing stadium they've got, and they've got a team they can be proud of competing at the top end of the national league in the first season as in well. The first season, I mean, you, you just you just ask for like stability and just get your feet in the ground, wouldn't you? Really, instead of sure. being in, even in contention. I mean, what are the fifth now at the minute fourth? But look, at a, I mean, a good example would be another one of our greater Manchester clubs in Stockport who who did fall out of the league yeah. and now they're down in National League North and they've been there for a season or so and maybe more just trying to get themselves back up into that National League. That non-league pyramid is a really difficult place to be. So yeah, sure. I think they need to respect where they are, like you're saying. Yeah, it is, it's... Honestly, I was shocked. I mean, a lot of the fans and a lot of the fans did echo like you've got to remember where we've come from and who we are do you know what I mean it kind of it's just a bit of sour grapes feel maybe spoiled brat feel you could go as far as to say to be fair I know that might sound a bit harsh I mean the fifth in the the National League and they're probably doing well I mean who's to if you had a bit of money you'd go to the bookies and put your money on Salford to go up and it's like if they don't go up this year they'll probably go up next year and you have so many straight promotions and sort of your expectations can can get to levels which are really unrealistic and I mean they've not been used to was it they've not won in a couple of games two three games and you know you know it's just everyone goes through a bad patch of the season where things aren't quite there you know you're not performing at the levels that you have been in the past but when you have so many straight promotions you know season in season out as they have done you know they probably still get could get another one you know the fact that they're not 10 points clearing already uh jotting down the postcode of league two grounds i think's a bit silly even though it's one of the hardest leagues to be in the national league there's one automatic promotion spot yeah. and that's for the league yeah. winner and there's some really good established teams in that division so it's going to be tough i mean look at the likes of leighton orient there They've got a good manager in Justin Edinburgh. They've got a good fan base for that level. And they've got good players. I mean, Salford are coming up against some really difficult teams this season. You could almost look at it in the other direction, like Chesterfield, very recently been in the Football League. They're in 20th position. Well, they won League team 2 like, yeah, three or four years Hartlepool ago. Hartlepool was so long in the Football League. They're 13th. They've struggled to go up. Dagenham and Redbridge are another team. Aldershot have been ex- it have been a part of the football league for so many times. We know Stockport. I mean, was it eleven years ago they were in ten, eleven years ago they were in League One, yeah. and they're you know they're in a division below. But you get these teams who struggle. We call them sleeping giants, but you could almost not say Salford City are a sleeping giant because no, they've not been going that they're long. They're a revelation at the minute. Obviously, at some point it's going to halt. You, you know that. I really like that word, revelation. Yeah. I think that's, I think that describes <laughs> word it perfectly. Of the day. Because word of the day. where where are the supporters coming from? Now, I'm not, I don't want to call. I've got to be really careful not to call Salford fans saying that they're plastic and they've come out of the woodwork from nowhere. The fact that the, a team is representing the the Salfordians, their their city, and they yeah. can go and support their team is brilliant. I just wonder, perhaps, if they've come from other clubs. I'm thinking maybe if they've decided they don't want to support Manchester United, Manchester City, Bolton or anyone else anymore and they've come to Salford. Do you think that maybe the expectations of those newer fans might be the ones that are perhaps weighing down the expectations of the older fans? Because I think it's the old guard that you were talking to that are kind of saying, don't be ridiculous, Alexander's doing a great job. Whereas maybe some of the more fresh fans, so to speak, are the ones that maybe are expecting a little bit more because of what they've seen on TV, documentaries, YouTube, etc, etc. Yeah, I think it's it's them fans who've, who've been there before. The class of ninety two, the ones that like the volunteers who like sort of seen maybe two hundred, three hundred fans at the ground. Yeah. Them ones, they'll be like they'll be like City, obviously when they were in Division Two and went up to and as they are now, 
like the older fans still remember going to the old grounds and when right. the newer fans come along don't they they go hang on a minute remember where we come from and it's mm. it's a similar story but obviously at Salford's level and I think I think they just got themselves a bit carried away Promo- hitting promotion after promotion after promotion at some point like I say it's got to stop but you've got to just appreciate how, how well you've done I really and where like- you are yeah, I really like your point now about the fans. That's why I gave you a bit of a patronising, <laughs> patronising thumbs up. Yeah, you talked about the fans and sort of like where they've come from. Sure. And I do think that's a really good point because obviously you talked about the volunteers. There was the lady who you know worked at the burger van Babs. by the ground. Yeah, Babs Barbara. Yeah, yeah. Worked by the ground, and but I mean it's very easy with Salford to sort of just you know jump on the bandwagon, thinking we're obviously going to get promoted. We're kind of guaranteed success. What with the financial advantage and the finan- financial arsenal that uh, Salford. City have and I mean how c- they've been obviously been a club for a short time it's kind of almost hard to maybe judge what a fan's expectation is in terms of because they've not supported them for such a long time I think that's fair, and yeah. it's I think there's got to be a great deal of realism involved but they can't be realistic in the sense that they might have only supported them for two three years and sure. your outlook of the club is so small I mean your outlook on a football club needs to be probably 25 30 years mm. compare it for so long and that's probably impossible with Salford I well think. I saw a great um, tweet that they put out on their official Twitter account and it was uh, game footage clips highlights from a game from two seasons ago um, so in 2017 the month of February and it was a home game and the place was a building site I remember going, you know, when it was like that, like place way, a, way before. There was fences and yeah. drains and cranes You could, you could and literally stand on the pavement and just peer over the top of the wall and watch the match. It was it and, was. And now they've got ground. a 3,000-odd seater stadium, yeah. fully equipped near as damn it for League Two football. Look at the players they've got. They've got Rory Gaffney, who was playing in League One for Bristol Rovers not long ago. Adam Rooney was playing in the Scottish Premier League, Scottish yeah. Premiership for Aberdeen, who are, I think, only third or fourth in the Scottish Premiership right now. I mean, that's that's you're talking a, t- a team playing for European football in Aberdeen in the Europa League possibly qualification to dropping down to the fifth tier of English football. And some Salford fans want Graham Alexander sacked. They've brought in Linganzi, who won League Two with Portsmouth a couple of seasons ago. They've got some quality players. I think they need to realise what they are watching sometimes. And I think the fact that they've got the quality players and they've got Graham Alexander, who's quite a big name in terms of, of management, maybe why they're thinking, hang on a minute, wow, we're winning every game 6 7 nil. So maybe that could be an argument for we've got these players, we've got the manager, look at the ground infrastructure, you know, and this is where we're at now. We should be winning every week and we should be, you know, 10 points clear at the top of the National League. Having said that, though, you've got to have a great deal of perspective in terms of this has all happened in a short space of time. Is there a danger they've made a rod for their own backs because of the money they've spent on that team? Yeah. Do you think that's why maybe the expectation expectation can be just so... The expectation can be so high and sort of they're at two or three levels above the actual realistic level and in terms of this is your first year in the National League I'm right in thinking yeah, yeah. yeah. you're in fifth position where 99% of the other teams will be fighting relegation like to see a team be promoted a league above and then be almost be like back-to-back promotions I mean how rare that happens so rare but they started so well so that even that tempers the expectations and increases them even more because mm. You know, when you start the season, you probably think, OK, Salford fan, be happy to finish. Maybe every every single supporter of every club said, oh, I'd love to get the playoffs this year. So if you're aiming for the playoffs, they've overachieved in the first six, seven months of the season. So when they 
were top of the league, obviously that would then raise the expectations. So now that they've dropped down a few places, does that maybe sort of enhance the feeling of unrest amongst supporters just purely because the expectation is increased because of the fact they started so well? Yeah, but you talked about the expectations, I agree. But they're in the playoffs, aren't they? They're in fifth position. They've got Obviously, there's only one spot that you can go up from, from the National League, and that's occupied by Sully Hill Moors. Mm. Uh, but, I mean, they're only six points off Sully Hill Moors. And it's, I mean, it's a bit of a lottery, isn't it? You know, teams winning, the games are huge. But you'd have to back Salford to go up. I think it maybe could be a bit of short-term panic. You know, you have all these wins, and suddenly, you know, as they said, they had the greatest start to the season. Suddenly, you know, you hit a bit of a bump in the road, and there is this almost, this panic... And it's on a, a, it's unexpected. B, it's probably unnecessary. And the fact that you don't expect it, it oh, it's a bit of a culture shock, would you say, Ian? Yeah. Probably that's the thing. I was just looking at Harrogate Town come up with Salford last year, and they're just in the playoffs, like one one point just inside the playoffs. And I think, I think they probably thought they've over overachieved as well. But I say, obviously, with Salford, obviously with, with a with a spotlight on it as such, and and the money they've spent, and blah 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 blah, people just have that higher expectation and. I think it's just a, I said like a reality check to fans to say, look, come on, we're not going to get promoted every single season. I mean, if they get in the playoffs, which they should do, really, then you probably you probably put your money on it to go up, but to to be calling for the manager's head after six months, it's, it's ridiculous. Yeah, I totally agree. Ridiculous. I think it's a joke. But we always hear Gary Neville on the TV talking about we've got to give managers time. Is like you know <laughs> the ultra advocate for giving managers time this year with Jose Mourinho, wasn't there? I don't think if there's it, any danger of him losing if, his job. Yeah, I know, I'm just so. saying. I'm like, but if he was to, be like, hang on a minute, Gary, yeah, what's yeah. all this about? Well, that's a really interesting point because he's obviously part of the the directorship at Salford City. His his actions there as a sort of a manager of the boardroom level of that club are going to be scrutinised even more because he, he people can go back and rewind what he said on TV and say, hang on a sec, you said this. So if he does make a decision, it could easily get screwed up and thrown back in his face. Yeah, he's... Uh... We know he's outspoken on his views, but he, he protects managers, doesn't he? Probably from uh, the troubles at Valencia. Obviously, you were saying the fans were just uh, speculating whether he should lose his job. No way. No, I don't. I don't think he will. Somebody actually commented on it as well. I don't think just he said will. Embarrassing. Oh yeah, 100%. no, I don't think. I don't, I'm sure he won't do. I don't it. think oh, he will, and there. I don't think he should either. No, no. no. You've got to. You've got to give him till the end of the season. Probably even till Christmas next season, haven't you, really, to see what's going on? But if, say, next Christmas they were still in the National League and they were in fifth, you can't really sack him then because they're still with a huge chance of, go- a huge give chance of going up. Two seasons to go up. My, un- you've got to. My understanding from the people I know at the club, they're four years ahead of their plan to get promoted to League Perhaps Two. The fans should know they that are then. four <laughs> years ahead. Wow. Fans should have a look at that then, shouldn't they, yeah. really? It's just maybe of fans who've jumped on the bandwagon, their expectations are far too high. You know, maybe they need to drop down a couple of notches to levels of realism. And they invested in the side in January. So they brought in in January Amin Linganzi and Devontae Redmond, who used to play for Manchester United. So obviously they've used their, their, their sort of skills in the transfer market there to bring players in. So they have strengthened. So they've obviously seen that they're in a really strong position. It's not like, oh, well, we're four years ahead of plan. Let's just leave it. They've obviously looked and wanted to capitalise upon that opportunity of being near the top. So they've invested in the squad. So you can't say that they're, they're sitting back and resting on their laurels. This is just football. Sometimes yeah. you will lose a few games. And that's it. And... Like I say, if, if you're that close, I mean, even if you're in the playoffs, you're still going to invest because obviously they're an ambitious club and they want to get into that league. If they get into League 2, like I say, four years ahead of schedule, 
brilliant. And then they, they've given themselves a little bit of a buffer there to get into League One, and they can just take the time a little bit. But it's it's I think it's just just ridiculous, a ridiculous post and ridiculous I mean, notion we, to even contemplate. We know they're ambitious. The owners are ambitious. The fans are ambitious. I think a worry you look at the situation, say at Blackpool or Newcastle United, and the owner you know doesn't have a very positive atti- attitude towards the club's progress, you know, and takes more interest in in how the in what the profit is, and the fact that the Salford owners are ambitious and the fans are ambitious, we know they're going to be in the football league one day, and I think it's a matter of patience, really. Now, yeah, I think you're right. Where if you're a Salford City supporter and you want to have your say on this podcast, the EFL and Below Show, send us a tweet. Use the hashtag EFL Below. It's at MCR Footy Social on Twitter. Make sure you let us know. We want to hear from you. Coming up a little bit later on in the podcast. We're going to be talking about Rami. Had that amazing 5-5 draw with AFC File. We're going to be discussing how they got on in the replay. Altering and making waves in the football world with their LGBT kit that they're going to be wearing for a one-off game. Why has nobody done that before, by the way? And Rochdale, a little bit of an issue at Spotland. They failed some safety tests, which means their capacity has been reduced. This is the EFL and Below show from the Manchester Football Social. Manchester Football Social. Subscribe to the podcast now and never miss a show. Cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Wow! Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. The Manchester Football Social, EFL and Below Show, with Football Mank Cave. Welcome back to the EFL and Below Show, right here from the Manchester Football Social. No prawn sandwiches here, we're talking about pies, pints, well, we like to, sometimes we like to have a laugh on this podcast, but football is the main topic. We've spoken about Paul Scholes, we've spoken about Salford, but now it's a chance for you to get your say. It's at MCR Footy Social on Twitter, hashtag EFL below if you do want to get involved. Altrincham on the agenda. Also, we're going to be talking about Rams Bottom United in the FA Trophy, as well as some safety issues at Rochdale. My name's Niall. I'm here from the Manchester Football Social, and with me from the Football Man Cave, we've got Ian. How are you doing, mate? Yes, I'm all good. He's good. All good. Just checking you're still awake there, mate. I know, yeah, I was going there a minute. I was catching <laughs> He's up been in Benidorm, haven't you? So, how was it, by the way? Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Sounds man. boozy already. I, I, drank, I drank my body weight in alcohol. It's like a euro a pint over there. It's ridiculous. <laughs> Stay safe out there, listeners. We're not endorsing this kind of behaviour. But <laughs> it is euro a pint. It is euro a pint. You can't blame him. How are you doing, Aaron? You're also with us for the show. I'm not very, very good. I'm not too bad. I can't say I've been to uh, to Benidorm over the past few uh, 
past few days, but it's my birthday on Monday, so oh. whenever a podcast comes out, if you want to leave me a happy birthday message. Okay, happy birthday for when the podcast comes Thank out. Thank you Aaron. very much. Have you got anything planned? Um, we're going out on... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what are you laughing going out for? The, we're going out for my birthday on uh, Monday. We're going to ho- Hotel Football. Oh, very near nice. Near Old Trafford. Oh, and, very uh, nice. Yeah. Listen, this is this has been really, really <laughs> terrible start to the second section of the show. So we'll just leave it. Look, Aaron's disappeared under the desk. He's laughing away. Why don't we go back to the football, which is what we're good at talking about. We're rubbish at talking about anything else and trying to mug each other off halfway through the show. Um, so let's talk about Ramsbottom. A team you know very well indeed, Aaron, and a, and a side who valiantly uh, held AFC Fylde of the National League to a 5-5 draw in the FA Trophy. And what you said was one of the best games you have ever seen. The replay wasn't quite as epic, but certainly a really, really respectable effort from Rami. They did end up losing in the replay. Yeah, definitely. If you'd have watched the first 25 minutes and uh, hadn't uh, watched anything else and you'd have asked to predict what the score was, you'd probably thought Rami would have won. The first 25 minutes, they... Uh, they had a really good game. They, they played really good stuff. Obviously, fouled the experience of them. Their pitch, you know, a lot more slicker than Ramsbottom's. Certainly took over second half. And I do think, you know, it's amazing. You do see the difference in three leagues when fouled off the confidence. They have the momentum to play well. And Rami, uh, you know, we're again, we're on the back foot and uh, things were all against them. However, it's very easy to look at the second half and maybe look at the goals we conceded and talk about maybe the, the defensive errors that were made. But that, I think, could be really... Uh, Myopic, very posh word. We've got to sort of look her overall and uh, say that the run has been fantastic. They never got to the second round of the FA Trophy before, never mind the third round of the FA, FA Trophy. So uh, you have to acknowledge how well they've done and uh, just look at the positives, really. They've still got a huge chance of yeah. getting up from the Evo Stick West and they went to file big ground uh, uh, National League. I was there on Tuesday, made a last-minute decision to go, and um, the first, as I said, the first 25 minutes they played really, really well. I have to credit the fans on a work night for going, and uh, the support that they've had throughout the competition. Obviously, the famous win at Weymouth. Mm. They've been known as the um, the replay kings during the FA Trophy, and I'm sure in, uh, by the end of the season, when people sit down and they review the FA Trophy, Ramsbottom have got to get a mention, and that's only great for the club. Absolutely, and despite the fact they obviously lost to Fylde in the replay, which is perhaps what most people would have expected in the first game, mm. you've still got that historical fixture of the 5-5, which will li- go down in history in Ramsbottom United, folklore really it won't won't it it'll be that game that everyone remembers the 5-5 do you guys remember that game you know it'll be what people talk about in the pub and in the clubhouse for years to come yeah it'll be a game I remember for a long long time and I think there was a bit of a disappointment at the end that it got to 5-5 I've been so close to winning at 5-4 maybe could have extended it maybe could have scored a couple of goals late on it's also fair to say that foul could have scored a couple in the first half and everyone people say don't they outside the Premier League football maybe loses its entertainment you know, there's uh, it, not so in terms of its identity, but the gap is so huge that it's not entertaining. And I think that's uh, very easy to say, but it's very hard to put into practice because you'd have seen that game and you'd have thought, you know, how ent- how entertaining is this? They were. Um, it was a really good game, and I think to look at to look at the second half where they struggled against Fylde and overall they were comfortably second best. I think that's very easy to look at. I think it'd be very. Uh, Silly to look at that, really, and pessimistic because you've got to look at the overall picture and uh, talk about the great runs. It's people may not notice, but Ramsbottom don't go in at the first round. They have to play many rounds before, sort of you know, 
first round qualifying, second round qualifying, third round qualifying. To get to the first round, you know, is is no mean feat. So to go all the way to the third round and to even have Wembley on your minds at Wembley final just shows you how well they've done. Should give those players a hunger as well, Ian, shouldn't it? To kick on in the league, you know, they can compete with AFC Fylde. I know they lost 4-1 the second time round, but until half run, half time, it's a pretty close run thing. So it should give them confidence that going forward in the remaining league games, they are able to, to kind of put in decent performances. Yeah, definitely. I think anything, usually a cup run goes one of two ways. Doesn't it? And if you have a decent cup run, you'll sort of see it in the FA Cup with like lower league teams. It it gives them a boost in that in that sort of league. And obviously, yeah, they lost, but they can take they can take the heart and they can take the desire from the five all and, and transfer that into the league right into end of the season. And, like I say, it's, it's only going to be positive for Rams bottom. And it, I think it's put them into a spotlight a little bit as well. So it's um, it's, it's a win-win all round, isn't it? You're definitely in a spotlight with the 5-5. You expect to thinking about the FA Trophy, looking at Fylde and looking at the result last week, the uh, Rams bottom thinking, how many did Fylde win by? Was it 5-6-0? And you say Fylde scored five goals. Well, God, they must have won 5-0, let alone, you know, a 5-5 score. Probably the replay was more what... Uh, people would have expected yeah. but as I've said before it would be a, maybe harsh to look at that you've got to look at the bigger picture and that they're in a position now through the confidence they've had for the cup run to go and make a push for promotion towards the end of the season and you want what you've achieved in terms of the wins over Weymouth and earlier on in the competition you've got to sort of use that as an initiative to push on and you can take nothing but confidence from what you've achieved. Well, another one of our Greater Manchester non-league sides have achieved something as well, but not so much on the pitch, although it will be showcased on the pitch. That's Altrincham, who have decided they're going to play one of their home games in an LGBT kit inspired by the uh, LGBT pride flag. It's the one, of course, that looks like a rainbow if you're not familiar with it. It's a really exciting initiative for those sort of people that are lesbian, gay, bisexual and transgender in modern sport. And it just shows that, you know, people are are thinking about how they can represent wider communities in the footballing world, especially in in a week where Joe Root, you know, the cricket captain for England, came out and stood up for for gay people after the comments made by West Indian fast bowler. And uh, to be honest with you, I think it's a really great thing and I don't know why this hasn't been done sooner, to be perfectly honest. It's a surprise to me that this is the first team to do it, Altrincham. I actually love the kit as well. It looks good, doesn't it? It looks really good. I mean, obviously, you usually get the laces, don't you, and, and the footballs and there's always like a hint of it, but I think this is just like, boof, See, I in a, your face. I had a discussion with someone in the office about this, about the Stonewall campaign with the LGBT rainbow laces. Now, what does a footballer need to play football? They need their football boots. Now, I know it's for charity, but laces are a massive part of football. I know a lot of them don't have laces nowadays, but laces are a big part of football boots, right? If the player is uncomfortable with what they're wearing in terms of how it feels, they're more likely not to do it if it means it's going to affect their performance. With a kit, there's no real way around it. That's what I mean. You all have to wear the kit. Whereas with the laces, kind of it's a, oh, shall I, shan't I kind of decision. I know some people might say, well, they're only laces. But in the modern world, that 1% advantage you can get by having a certain type of laces, which might make you play better and feel more comfortable, athletes are less likely to sacrifice that. But the kit doesn't give them a chance to do that. And that's... That's why it's a great idea. I think it's a really good idea because even if it's just for a short amount of time, you know, it just brings the issue home, doesn't it? And the fact that Altringham are sticking up, are sticking up for it. You know, they're, they're wanting to create awareness, they're wanting to create a good amount of publicity. There's nothing but positives in terms of wanting to make the issue stand out. Almost, it's hard to sort of. 
put into words at times, but just wanting people to become aware of the issue and when you get sort of a big club like Altrincham, because they might not be in the Premier League, they're not United or City, but they, they've got enough publicity and this can be talked about enough to create an awareness, i.e., you know, we're talking about it now. We don't talk about Altrincham a lot on the show. We're talking about it and obviously with Joe Root and what's important, I think, to get high-profile sportsmen, high-profile football clubs... Uh, whether you play cricket, you play football, you play rugby, just to come out, just to talk about it and uh, to make these issues more apparent in society because it's something which, you know, you know, do feel needs to be dealt with. Mm, Alty, of course, in the National League North playoffs at the moment, they're going well. They'll be wearing their purple shorts and uh, white and purple socks with the kit. Uh, the kit does have sort of a purple sleeve on one arm, so it kind of looks quite nice, you I know, do. all matching I really together. Like it. Yeah. Yeah, I like I think it. You can, it's an auction, I think they're auctioning it off. They're donating one to National Football Museum in Manchester. And then the rest of the money is going towards the Proud Trust. It's great. The thing is, obviously, not every single club's going to have one one game where they're going to wear this type of shirt. But they could wear, like, in the warm-ups, they could have a shirt on, yeah, or I mean, socks or shorts you or look, something. You're like, It's happened here before. So Spanish clubs, Rayo Vallecano, who play in Madrid, and uh, CD Guadalajara, um, they had a rainbow sash in 2015. MLS... Uh, and the US national side teams there have won uh, have worn rainbow pride shirt numbers before. So there's been a few teams uh, and clubs that have tried it, but not to the extent that Altrincham have done it. So you they're could, groundbreakers, really. Yeah, you can almost go sort of a halfway house with it. You can either do it, but not generate the publicity, and you can do it in small little ways, which won't get the great attention, which won't get, which won't make the big noise. Or you can do it like Altrincham have done it, and sort of you know gone full pelt with it. We're going to wear the kit, and we're going to promote the uh, promote the issue and it's it's good it's just a good it's just a good way i'm just struggling to sort of say it's just a fantastic cause isn't yeah, it yeah of course it is and the club director bill waterson said we thought let's not do something subtle let's do something yeah that's what's great make it sort of big and this this issue i think is really really works well when you sort of make a, a huge big deal of it yeah absolutely so great stuff from Alty. not so great stuff for Rochdale Ian over at Spotland they've actually had to have the capacity of their stadium decreased due to some failed safety tests now that can be a really slippery slope because you're really at the mercy of whoever can fix the problem for yeah. you and they're going to be asking for a fair bit of cash that's usually the case at these stadiums a club like Rochdale we know isn't blessed with the biggest wallet in the world so this is where things can become difficult in League One and League Two in the EFL. Yeah, I mean, obviously they've got their um, they got their capacity crowd reduced by two thousand, so that down to like seven and a half thousand. Now Rochdale don't don't hit them type of numbers, but obviously to rectify whatever the problems are, it's still going to hit them in the pocket. And then going forward, if there's little teething problems here and there, it, it could build, and you never know where it might go down the line. Do you know what I mean? There's the grounds nowadays, they want such a, a high standard, don't they, that if they can't sort of reach this standard, obviously, where's it where's it going to go? Do you know, and obviously, with a team doing as they are and the reinvestment that they need, it's, it's just, you can see it sort of colliding at it's, some point. It's just another problem they don't need to deal with, isn't it? <laughs> well, they do need to deal with it, but it's another problem they don't want to do. Yeah, it's a problem, it's kind of an unforced error, isn't it, yeah, really? Sure. Like, failing safety checks, failing inspections, and... They're sort of issues which you shouldn't really think about, should you really? You know, passing the stadium, it's kind of like the, you know, a basic requirement. But, it shouldn't, but, but it shouldn't really need... But who thinks about that as a fan? You go in there thinking everything's going to be fine, don't you? You don't yeah, think well, about some of these underlying issues. No, but you don't think about it until something goes wrong. Sure, yeah. But it's, I mean, it's a problem that Rochdale won't want to have. We talked about uh, briefly Berry with the winding up order. It's kind of a, 
an issue which you don't want to break out too much it's of an embarrassment really that they haven't passed the tests and when you're not doing as well on the pitch like Rochdale are it can kind of create maybe creates it makes the problem worse in terms of you know you're not doing well on the pitch now you've got this off the pitch and you know you get a, a ricochet effect and it makes the problems it makes the problems in terms of Rochdale the brand of their club and the the media attention they get worse off on the other hand if they do you know, have to cut their attendance, which they have done. But, you know, you get less empty seats. You maybe squash everyone in a bit more. You get people closer to the pitch. Mm. You know, you could generate a good atmosphere. And, you know, that obviously rebounds to the players. They get a few wins. They stay up yeah. in League One. And I mean, they've, they've, sort, good. they've sorted the issue now. So that's good for them. Well, they've sorted it to an extent where the capacity was reduced. Then it went back again. So it's still peaking around the 9,000 mark. Mm. But but Dale only really get around 3,500 at home. So it, it wasn't the biggest issue in the world. But I guess the concern would be if you've got a big side in League One like Sunderland or Portsmouth or whoever come into to Scotland, there's, there's a potential there you could lose out on matchday revenue, which yeah. is a key part of, of modern football clubs, isn't it? Definitely. Even even just that, just that couple of hundred or even 500 if Sunderland, obviously they bring a big following, if they come to town for Rochdale, it's a good little payday. Obviously they can reinvest it back into the club. And if they're sort of just making silly mistakes, when we don't obviously know what the extent is, it sort of says paperwork and certificate issues. But if it is just silly mistakes, do you know what I mean? They, they could have missed out on a, on a decent little bit of money potentially. It's weird because of the way it works. The stadium actually is operated by a company called uh, Den- Deanhurst Park, I think it's called. Um, so they actually run the stadium, I think, on behalf of the football club. So you've got like three different parties there. Then the council getting involved doing the checks, and it all just seems a little bit messy, doesn't yeah. it? Too many cooks. Too many cooks. Too it's many just cooks. not what you want, is it? Really? It's no, kind of no. in the uh, in the paper online. You know, read it on Google. You read it in I don't know local paper on a website, and it's just it's just bad for the club, isn't it? In terms of the publicity they get, it's kind of needless. And as I said before, they're not doing particularly spectacular on the pitch. So it just adds to this disgruntlement the... of, of the fans, and it's just something else for them to moan about because. I think they've had one win since November, and that was like last weekend. It's just kind of an issue. You shake your head and think, not another problem. Yeah. It just it just doesn't bode well. Well, let's hope they improve on the pitch because this is what will be in the next couple of podcasts described as the business end of the season. I love yes. that saying. The business end of the season. It's where the sun starts coming out. We can see the sun shining through the windows of the studio right now, and things start to warm up a little bit. Weather wise, there's less games called off, but. That's where some teams really come into their own. It sounds so ridiculous. But having watched Portsmouth over the last few years as a Pompey fan, we are very much a fair weather club. We have a winter break. We have a winter hibernation where some, for some reason the club never tends to do so well during those winter months. There's a chance now that with the pitches getting better, with the weather improving, that those sides like Berry, who do play slick passing football, might be able to take advantage of that. It sounds like such a silly thing, but it's a true thing. Yeah, and everyone has their own little superstitions, don't they, of when you play well. And some teams don't do well over Christmas, and some teams do well over Christmas. There's always the interesting one. When the pressure's off you and you're not playing much at the end of the season, you either go on a run where you win your last nine and it papers over the cracks of that. Your season's been a struggle, or you sort of you do all right. There's the on-the-beach expression. You're playing with your flip-flops on rather than <laughs> your football boots, and you win one of the last nine, and you can see goals left, right, centre because you know your mind's on elsewhere. And I think towards the when you're playing for something huge like Berry are, like Rochdale are at different ends of the table, you can either go one way where you're either you book up, you go better, you shoot up, 
or you um you do the opposite and you uh you fall it's uh it's it's there's no middle grounds as i said before with other topics we discussed you either either goes well and you shoot up or you fall down the table and this is another one of those things. I think the pressure's kicked up so much, sort of middle of March, and you see the finished ground in sight. You know, you've got 9, 10, 11 games left of the season, and you just, you either thrive on the pressure or you um you fall. It's one of those situations. But you sort of almost play like once a week, don't you? Because yeah. games that you've been called off, you play then, and it's just in that moment, in that 90 minutes, what can you do? And that's where you see the... The good and the bad teams. Exciting, exciting. Well, that seems like that'll be it for another week of the EFL and Below show here on the Manchester Football Social in association with the Football Man Cave. I've been Niall, that's been Aaron, that's been Ian. But before I let you go, gents, it's been Valentine's Day this week. Yes. So you spent it in Benidorm, had a good time. Don't I know what you cracking time. Don't know what you were doing, Aaron. I Yesterday spent, I uh, did some work. I spent most of the day at work as well. Hey, so. I got home in time to see the wife on Valentine's Day by 15 minutes. Hey, that's all you, to midnight. 15 minutes is all you need, I there heard. You go. Yep. <laughs> anyway, I wanted to ask you, what's one thing you've loved in football this season? Valentine's Day, one moment that you can pick out that you've absolutely loved. You might have talked about it on the podcast. You might have not. But what's one moment that you've thought, that is brilliant, I love it? I can go straight away. What happened uh, nine, ten days ago, Rams bottom five, filed five. It was probably the best game you'll ever see in the non-league. It was end-to-end, great entertainment. You didn't know what was going to happen. It was expect the unexpected. And so many times, don't you see in football, games can be foregone conclusions. They're finished after 70 minutes. Teams are three, four nil up. And you don't get too many games where two fans can of oppositions can come together at the end at the turnstiles and go, you know what, it was a great game, we both played well, it would have been unfair to see a side lose, we shake hands and we uh, we go to the, the replay next week. So uh, my favourite moment's probably uh, very very easy to say. I think Stockport finally waking up yeah. in the National mm, League yeah. North. Love that, it's must gr- agree with that. great to sort of see that's such a big club, not the second in the league, and they, they, they seem to be finally doing what, expected of them so I think yeah that and alongside Berry as well Berry nice little turn of uh, events this year yeah absolutely for me it would be the Bolton fans coming up and working together rising up against <laughs> Ken Anderson as someone who's seen dodgy owners time and time again love that from the Bolton fans and the Bolton Wanderers Supporters Trust so hopefully uh, they can carry on doing their great work and maybe we might see a new owner at the top table uh, in Bolton very very soon thanks very much gents great to have your company as always don't forget to subscribe to the podcast you can find it wherever you find your podcasts leave us a review as well give us a nice five star review that mean a lot to us uh, right here at the EFL and below show if you happen to have a shining towards Manchester United or Manchester City and you follow those teams as well you can find specific podcasts for either of those teams just search Manchester City Football Social or Manchester United Football Social wherever you do find your podcast and subscribe to those as well But that's it for another week here on the EFL and Below Show. We'll see you next time. Manchester Football Social. Subscribe to the podcast now and never miss a show. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 